do. Welcome everybody to Weiss Camera Action. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Weiss, alongside the Duchess of Dunwoody, the Sage of Sandy Springs, Erica J. Lavender. Hello, everyone. Hope you're having a great day or night. And joining us once again is the Belle of the Bard, Maya E. Lavender. Hey, mamas. <laughs> Screw you, papas. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> you're right, you're right. You know, uh, Maya, this this next little subject that, before we get to Twilight, this next little subject came up twice in in the previous few minutes before we got on the call with you. And mm-hmm. uh, I was showing Erica this clip from a podcast that I listened to. And uh, it, the question was, what five drinks, if you could only choose five drinks to drink for the rest of your life and only those drinks, what would they be? And before you answer, the reason it came up twice is because she was asked a similar question today by one of her students. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but it was only one drink. But on the podcast that I was listening to, it was five. So I wanted to do five because I feel like one's too difficult. Yeah. Um, should I say? Yeah. Okay. Roll out, please. Um, water. Obviously, you got to have that to live. Uh, Diet Coke. Ooh, okay. Dairy-free chocolate milkshake. Mm. Okay, work. Um, uh, lemon shallow LaCroix, mm-hmm. and I've never had this before because I'm not 21, but white wine. Nice. <laughs> um, Erica, what are, what are your choices? I know, I know at least two of them. You know, at least two of them, yeah, because you couldn't yes. decide between them, yes. So, I feel like When I was asked this by a four-year-old earlier, I said lemonade or coffee because, I mean, it's a four-year-old. I'm not going to be like, well, I need one. I didn't say coffee. (gasps) Oh. It's okay. We can can rewind, but I need to go first. Okay. (laughs) So, anyways, I would obviously have to put water at the top of my list. Of course. Need that to live. Um, But lemonade and coffee are right after that. Uh Lemonade for the taste, coffee for the caffeine, I say. I do love the taste of coffee, but it's mainly for the caffeine. Um, Next, I would have to say, I'll go red wine. And then I would say, probably a milkshake. Probably a cookies and cream milkshake Ooh, nice um for me it'd be water then black coffee um i'd probably go nitro cold brew though because um i really like just i really i like it it's very smooth um i do some rye whiskey old forester 100 to be exact um Gonna have to go Pepsi. Pepsi wow. Pepsi's one of them, and then uh, chocolate milk. Yum. Big fan of chocolate milk. Um, I like. There's a lot of times when I'm going through the grocery store by myself, and I go to the milk so, milk section, and I just get like a pint of chocolate milk because it's like 99 cents, and I'm like, yeah. it was only 99 cents. Love. I'll tell you what, Hudson Valley Fresh brand chocolate milk is one of the best beverages in the world uh 
It, oh, it's so good. It has like 400 calories per serving. Oh, you know it's good. Oh, <laughs> um, and like so many grams of fat. But it has like 20 grams of protein per serving. Jeez. All right. So it's a health drink. I'll tell you what. <laughs> it's it's keto. <laughs> I'm so, sure it is. So which of your five would you replace with coffee? Mm, maybe the milkshake. I think it would have to be the milkshake that's getting replaced. Mm. Mm-hmm. You and your... You had water, and then you had Diet Coke. What was before Diet Coke? The milkshake. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I don't know. There was water, Diet Coke, milkshake, white limoncello. Wine. Oh, limoncello LaCroix. Yeah, and then white wine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are all pretty crucial. That's fair. I but... feel like if we don't count water as a beverage, and we just count it as, like, an essential baseline... Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. all right all right i like that caveat very interesting you can drink limoncello lacroix and never have water again in my opinion that's, that that's is just like your untrue. opinion man <laughs> anyways this is you not will get osteoporosis if you do that fun fact <laughs> you don't want to get osteoporosis you don't want to catch it um <laughs> This is not Beverage Cast. This, of course, is Weiss Camera Action, the show where each and every week on your favorite podcast service, Erica and I review movies slash series of movies. Um, if you like that and you want to be a part of the show, go to patreon.com slash Weisscast, where $1 a month, that $1 a month tier grants you the ability to ask questions that you want to be aired on the podcast, or you can write in your Darmok reviews. We still haven't had anyone write in. And guess what? I checked the email. You checked the email? I checked the email and no. you know what? Nothing in there. But hey, there's a first time for everything. Also, the $1 tier grants Patreon supporters or gets great mm, um, words. You're doing it. Also, the $1 tier gets Patreon supporters mentioned in the credits as well as a shout out during the show. Big thank you to our Patreon partners. Chrono Slinger and Pepe Danger. If you don't have any change to toss our way, no big deal. You can catch the show each and every Friday on podcast services around the globe. Housekeeping. We have two more weeks of Twilight. Then we'll be moving on to the Dark Knight trilogy, and we will have yet another special guest. But we will get to that later. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be First impressions. All right, Loka. Impress me. Okay, so first time, not dazzled. Second time, dazzled. Third time, wasn't dazzled, but I was pleasantly surprised. Because I didn't remember what happened in this one. Mm. I, I could not tell, like, before we watched it, I could not tell you the plot of this movie if my life relied on it. Um, and so it was like pleasantly surprised that there was a plot. <laughs> For sure. Um, and I, I like that the stakes felt high even there, though there was no reason that the stakes had been raised. Um, it was fun. 
That's a great way to put it. It's a really interesting point. The stakes were very high, even though they had no reason to be that high. Nothing too much new developed during this leg of the story, other right. than Victoria now had some supporters behind her. Like, that's really the only thing that changed. Yeah, she, like, literally made her supporters. So, yeah. Like... Um, what I have to say about this movie is I, when I think about ranking the Twilight Saga in my head, as one does... In my head, I'm always like, oh, yeah, I guess New Moon and Eclipse, I like about the same. First impression after rewatching Eclipse just now is that, oh, my gosh, no, I like it so much better than New Moon. Interesting. Like, I loved it. I, I didn't love it as much as the first original Twilight, but I really, really, really enjoyed it a lot more than I remembered enjoying it. Yeah, I, um, I really enjoyed this movie. I think the production value really added to it. Um, it's just... Like, you could tell that they had a little bit bigger budget than the last two movies. Um, and the the director... I don't know if it's the same director throughout the whole series. No. It's not. No. Um, I feel like the director had a little bit more vision for this movie. And so just things looked a little better. Um, and they used the budget wisely. And, yeah, I just... I, I, I enjoyed this movie. But, like you said, so eloquently Maya that the the plot was not furthered <laughs> uh, not necessarily furthered but the stakes were not or were raised for no reason um, and and we did kind of end the movie story-wise between Bella Jacob and Edward kind of where we started it right and also with the Volturi just gonna say oh yeah them too yeah yeah nothing so it's very much just like at the end of New Moon you better change her Okay, okay, we will. At the end of Eclipse, okay, guys, you really better do it this time. <laughs> you don't want to slap on the wrist. <laughs> yeah. You know what, Erica, why don't you hit us with some fun facts? All right, I would love to hit us with some fun facts. Number one, the film was released worldwide on June 30th, 2010. So we just came up on 10 years of Eclipse. And it became the first Twilight film to be released on IMAX. Interesting. So I think it's pretty cool. Um, number two, and this one really kind of rocked my entire world for a second. Tom Felton, a.k.a. Draco Malfoy, and Channing Tatum, a.k.a. Channing Tatum, were both considered for the role of Riley. Interesting. Isn't that nuts, though? Which I honestly think either of them would have been pretty good in that role. I mean, like... Better than the guy they got. Yeah, it would have been very different, for sure. There had to have been some scheduling conflicts. Yeah. Because I feel like Tom Felton was probably still working on Harry Potter at that time. And then I don't know what Channing Tatum was doing, but... Like, it had to have been... Was he in doing Magic Mike? (laughs) (laughs) I think this is a little too early for Magic Mike. I could Tandy be wrong. Peter was too busy on a circle pool to make the filming of this movie. Maybe he was uh, practicing for Magic Mike. Maybe he was filming Dear John. Oh, is he in that? I think so. I, I, I get all he those was, movies combined. Was... Oh, no. Oh. Are you back? You kind of froze for a Say second. Say everything you one more time. Yes. I just said that Channing Tatum did a lot for the 2010s, and maybe he was too busy carrying the entire decade on his back. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. This movie. That, that is 
Nothing but facts. All right. This one, Aaron, I knew you would appreciate. Kristen Stewart wore a wig for this film because, you know, we have a lot of talk about wigs here on the show. So Kristen Stewart wore a wig for this film after cutting her hair short for The Runaways. Yes. What's, you what, could what's almost the... say Kristen Wig was in this movie. Oh, Whoa. shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and this last one, I have so many questions with, and I just have so many qualms with the fact that I, this is even I, a real fact. I, I... Yeah. And the stories that Billy Black tells at the bonfire, we all remember. The third wife, the one who stabs herself, was originally going to be played by Kristen Stewart. She did perform the scene, but the director, David Slade, and author, Stephanie Meyer, thought it had an unintentional comical effect. Huh? I, I It would have been weird. First of all, she's not Native American, so why they would have had her playing a Native American? But neither say they're in, in yeah. defense of that argument. Well, that's true, but... I feel like after, like, that just would have been insane. In the canon of the story of Twilight, at least Jacob Black is, but Bella Swan is not, I guess. Right, okay, fair, fair. Um, Yeah, it was a good choice not to make that. Yeah, and also, especially after Bella goes... Oh my god, like, you want me to come to an elders meeting? That That's, like, not appropriate for me to be there for that. And then he's like, oh, but you have to come. And then... You have to come. You were my great-grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I mean... It, at least, at the very least, Taylor Lautner looks a little bit more the part. Like, And I feel like after they cast him... I remember hearing stories that they considered recasting him for New Moon mm-hmm. to get someone who was a little bit more, like, built already and also to get someone who was actually Native American. Mm-hmm. But then he, like, worked really hard, got in shape, and they're like, okay, you just went through all that. We'll let you keep the role. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that after that, they were more serious about, like, I think, I don't know, I haven't, I don't want to say that because maybe I really don't know what I'm talking about. But I feel like they would have known better by... Eclipse than to let Bella than to let Kristen Stewart right. play Mary. I would have yeah. thought, no and that's probably right why then. they ultimately ruled against yeah. it. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, you can't. I mean, you, people you, you just you just can't be doing that. People did it for years. They whitewashed roles like that all the time. Yeah. and I'm not saying it's good, but like it, it's like Hollywood history. Right, just people whitewashing roles. So. Right. Um, glad that they made the decision to not. Same. Even though one. Kristen Stewart's also glad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Imagine yeah. that's on in her IMDb history. I know. I know. Played a Native American. <laughs> yeah, good for her for the fact that that did not make the final cut of the movie. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Oof, yeah, know. that would have been real unfortunate. Should we move on to the summary? Because I feel like it's going to be really funny. Let's <laughs> um, let's move on to the summary. Because I saw I saw like a line in the summary, and I was like, "Ooh, that's an unfortunate s- sentence." So, um, should, really quick, should Maya and I begin the summary with reciting "Fire and Ice" by Robert Frost? Because oh, I think that we both have this poem memorized. Yes, I think we can't say it at the same time because we're slightly out of sync, but. 
We can do one line at a time. All right. Alternate lines. Go for it. You start us off. Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. But what I've tasted of desire. I hold with those who favor fire. But if it had to perish twice. I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction, ice is also great. And would suffice. Whoa. Whoa. The film begins with college student Riley Beers walking out of a bar in Seattle, Washington at night in the pouring rain. A few minutes after he enters an alleyway, he is knocked down a few times (laughs) by a dark figure in a desperate attempt to escape his attacker. He attacks. He takes mm-hmm. he takes off a running a running. <laughs> There's not A's in here. I'm just putting him in there until he re- there is an A until he reaches up here. There we go, where he hesitates to jump into the water. As he hesitates, the figure catches up with him and bites his right palm, leaving a crescent moon shaped bite mark on it. He is left screaming and moaning in agony initiating his painful transformation into a vampire. It is later explained that the attacker was Victoria. (gasps) No No way! way. And she looks strangely like Bryce Dallas Howard. (laughs) Yes! Who also looks strangely like Jessica Chastain. (laughs) (laughs) And she chose Riley because he was from Forks. Making his making his knowledge of the area important to guide the newborn army. But she lied by telling him she chose him out of love. She also seduces Riley to win his loyalty and dedication. This is like all off screen, by the way. Like we don't see any of this. I think it's interesting that they are putting this part of the summary in the beginning. I feel like I would put this part. I would put it way later. Yeah. Victoria intends on destroying Bella Swan in order to take vengeance on Edward Cullen for killing her mate, James, in Twilight. By creating an army of newborn vampires under Riley's control while hiding in the shadows to keep Alice from, quote, seeing her, unquote. Edward Cullen and Bella Swan are laying in their meadow. They have a meadow? Yeah. Is it their meadow? I mean... I mean... In the same way that when a dog pees on a... (laughs) (laughs) Do you think think Edward peed on the the meadow at one time? gasp they're lying in their meadow where bella recites aloud the poem fire and ice in negotiating her change into a vampire with edward asking her to marry him first she endlessly turns him down because of her issues with teen marriages but or in that marriage is just a quote piece of paper edward says that in his world it was the one way wait it was the way one says, quote, I love you, end quote. But Bella encounters, not encounters, she just counters, but Bella counters saying that in her world at her age, it is the way one says, quote, I just got knocked up, end quote, <laughs> which is a pretty funny line. Way to go, Bella. <laughs> the newborn army continues to grow in numbers and the members, ca- the members is, mm-hmm. 
careless feeding in Seattle draw the attention from statewide news. Much to the dismay of the people of Seattle, the Forks police, including Charlie Swan and the Cullens, new bo- new deputized police officers, the Cullens. Um, <laughs> That's how it made it sound. That's yeah. Funny. News headlines and columns about the murders and disappearances blanket the newspapers. Back in Forks, Edward and Bella discuss some of the complications and advantages of becoming a vampire. Also, Bella makes an effort to keep in touch with Jacob Black, her best friend, but he refuses to return her calls. Charlie decides to stop grounding Bella on the condition that she spends more time with Jacob and her other human friends. To catch up all the listeners, Bella was grounded because of in the last movie when she ran away to Italy without telling her dad where she was going. (laughs) Yeah. Also, that was like, wasn't that... Was that the last movie or the first movie where she, like, ran away without saying anything for, like, his protection? Well, yeah, that was in the first movie that she did that. and But at that point, she said, I'm going back to Phoenix. So she at least told him where she was going. Mm -hmm. This time, he literally walked into her room and said, where is Bella? And she came back a week later and said, sorry, I was in Italy because Edward was in trouble. Like, that's insane. You know, when she came back, her dad was all like, where the hell have you been, Loka? <laughs> I want on-screen Charlie Swan saying that. <laughs> Charlie is investigating the disappearance of Riley Beers, reported missing over a year earlier. Wait a second. Are, are we supposed to believe that the first scene takes place a full year before... The scene in the meadow? Yes. There's nothing that tells us one year later, right? Am there, I wrong? There is no, no like screen thing that comes up that says one year later. Why would there like not that. be? I think because... I have an issue with that. They like kind of say in the movie, like, yeah, like, um, this boy's been missing for over a year, or his parents have been looking for him for over a year. Uh-huh. Like, Charlie just kind of, like, references it throughout uh-huh. the movie, so I guess you're just supposed to pick up on it that way. But I agree, it would have been nice for there to be some... It's it's literally not that hard to put a little cue in the corner. Yeah, no, I, I do it all, all the time when I'm editing videos. You can just put a little, one year later. Right. Really not that difficult. Not that difficult. Anyways, in the meantime, Edward <laughs> suspects it to be associated with the newborn vampires in Seattle, further proving his suspicions. What? Further pr- proving his suspicion is the intrusion of Riley in Bella's room. That was an unfortunate sentence. It's, and the sentence is still, still going. In which <laughs> he steals Bella's red blouse with Bella's scent on it in order for the newborns to recognize her scent. Didn't need sent that many times. In the novel, <laughs> Riley steals not just her red blouse, but also her pillow. Okay, I have a lot to unpack here, because that was the most, first of all, the biggest run-on sentence I've ever seen a day in my life. <laughs> Second of all, this is the first time in any, mm-hmm. like, fandom summary like this, <laughs> where they've been like, here's how it differs from the book. <laughs> and why they chose... <laughs> Because there's so many huge differences from the book to mm-hmm. movies. Like, I just reread the books during, like, the initial quarantine. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, you're bored, you got nothing else to do. And there's so many huge differences. And why the writer decided to choose the fact that in the books, don't get it twisted, 
Riley also stole her pillow. Like, why? I have, <laughs> I just want to know. I love how these podcasts have become more a review of the summary than the actual <laughs> movie. <laughs> Anyways. Welcome back to GrammarCast. I'm your host, Aaron Weiss. <laughs> and Erica Lavender is mad. And Erica Lavender <laughs> is pissed off. On one occasion, Alice has a vision of Victoria's return, so Edward takes Bella to Jacksonville. I, I, I... Jacksonville? Jacksonville to visit her mother and to assure her safety while the Coens and the pack... The pack of what? The six-pack? Some beer? I don't know. Chase Victoria. Just hears the pack immediately, immediately like, oh yeah, beer. You know, you know who it is? It's the Green Bay Packers. Go That's, Pack Go. Go Pack Go. That's who the Collins and Aaron Rodgers <laughs> go chase Victoria <laughs> deep into the Canadian wilderness. That's how they could have gotten Victoria quicker mm-hmm. if they got Aaron Rodgers on the case. Oh, for sure. <laughs> the chase ends with Emmett Cullen almost crossing into Quilliet yeah. territory. Paul Lahote. Lahote? Lahote? I have no idea. How to Stops say him it. from crossing the boundary line, resulting basically the alpha, right? The alpha, resulting in a heated confrontation between the wolves and the Cullens, while Victoria escapes. Also, I just remember that the alpha is for sure Sam, not Paul, but it's not that deep. I don't know why I said that he's the alpha. Anyways, www.whitescast.com/slash/your-dash-wrong. Yes, call me out. Bella finds out about this during Edward and Jacob's argument at school. Also discovering that Victoria is back and leaves with Jacob down to Lapush. It's a Lapush. It's Lapush. I like, I don't know. My first thought is like, oh, why is Lapush? Like, why is it, why is it um, a female article? Oh. <laughs> a feminine article. <laughs> That's a great question. But it's just, it's just what it's called. It's just what it's called. It's just what it's called. Lapush. Um, for both a visit and to learn more about the incident. Although Edward fears for her safety, Bella convinces him that Jacob and the werewolves, I call that band name, would not harm her. When Edward catches Riley's scent, he suspects that someone is making a plan and agrees to team up with the werewolves to protect Bella and Charlie from the possible danger. From then on, Bella begins to spend more time in La push. During one of these trips, Jacob suddenly confesses his love for her. This is the unfortunate sentence that I read. That I read. Confesses his love for her and forcibly kisses her. And I know that's what happens, but it just sounds so much more wrong reading it like that. You know what I mean? It looked really wrong watching it personally. Yeah. The whole scene was kind of a bummer. Yeah. I mean, he does like that's exactly what happens. Yeah. I just. Uh... Is this when Bella punches him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bella, both shocked and outraged, angrily punches him in the face and breaks her hand in the process. <laughs> Just, yeah. I like, least drink some milk. You know what I mean? The thing is, it's like, it's such an uncomfortable scene to watch. And then her punching him and immediately being like, because <gasps> she breaks her hand. Yeah. Like, you don't want to laugh because you just like watch something very uncomfortable, but I have to giggle every time. Like I have no choice. You hate to see it. You really hate to see it. No one wanted that to happen. Especially Bella. But yeah, no, I, I hate that. I I actually mm. Mm. It's like 
I we're gonna get to Team Edward, Team Jacob, but like, why why are those the only two options? Right. What about that? What about that one guy that Jacob yells at in the last movie? And he seemed fine, you know. Oh, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Del- the Mike. one, the one who barfed in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go home. I'm like <laughs> pro up. Or you know what? Why not? Why not Anna Kendrick? You know what I mean? Anna Kendrick is too chaotic. But they had a pretty good chemistry. I feel like. Right. I think they don't care about each other. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Their entire relationship would just be them walking down the street and Anna Kendrick talking about anything that comes to her head and Bella saying nothing. <laughs> okay, my cousin had leprosy and it's not funny. <laughs> I need this is that's the one thing that this movie needed, and we'll get to it in the analysis, but that this movie really needed like a like a more substantial Anna Kendrick monologue. I know we had her valedictorian speech, but like so good. It was good, but it wasn't as memorable as Who the, the hell knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. After driving Bella home, Edward threatens to break Jacob's jaw if he ever dares to kiss Bella again against her own will. Uh, I got that sentence a little backwards, but oh well, it made sense. It all ends when Charlie comes up outside to stop the tension, oblivious to what happened. Jacob awkwardly explains to him that he kissed Bella without her permission and that she broke her hand while punching his face. While getting the treaty, while getting treated by Carlisle, once again, here we are, getting treated by Carlisle. Classic Bella. She can't stay out of the doctor's office. Bella has a conversation with Rosalie Hale. About her choice to become immortal, Rosalie judges her for her preference to vampirism over humanity and tells her her own story as a human. She then tells Bella that becoming a vamp that by becoming a vampire she would want nothing more than blood. Back in Seattle, Riley has is angered by the newborn's lack of control in their feeding and warns them that something huge is coming for them. I, you know, I was really confused while watching the movie why Riley was so angered by their lack of control. Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, he's still like, you know, like a week older than them in vampire time. You know, mm. like, that's why I was so confused earlier when I was like a full year had passed. I'm like, that, do you know what? Yeah. That would have been, yeah. That's that. This whole part is the reason why I wish it had the time. Yeah, part. no, I totally agree because it makes no sense as to why he would be so much more like mature as a vampire mm-hmm. than they are. That's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, lack of control in their feeding and warns them that something, <laughs> something huge is coming for them, and they must mm-hmm. learn to control their urges so they m- may meet it with strategy the volturi guard members jane alec and felix and dimitri find and observe the army's actions while felix considers consulting arrow about their inaction jane debates whether they should let the army serve their purpose or quote end them unquote a few days later bella jasper and edward and and alice graduate from forks high school where jessica gives an inspirational graduation speech (laughs) My the, audience, the audience laughing when she's like when we were five they asked us who we wanted to be some of us said astronauts if you asked me I said a ballerina and then the, the, the audience laughs 
And then when we were 10, they asked it again. Some of us said teachers. If you ask me, I said a princess. <laughs> and now is not the time for hard and fast decisions. Now is the time to make mistakes because if you ask us now, we're going to say, who the hell knows? <laughs> I love her. I love Anna Kendrick in this movie. This is her best work. Honestly, you know how last movie I was saying I wanted to see a Jacob Black spinoff? Mm-hmm. Anna Kendrick spinoff! Anna Kendrick spinoff. <laughs> yeah, I need to see. Absolutely nothing supernatural. Just her character still in forks. Just her bopping around. <laughs> I would actually I, love to see Jessica go to college. Yeah. I need to see what sorority she rushes. What if, what if she just changed her name for college? Yeah. And I want to know what, like, wait, hockey team she's on. Changed her name for college and is the exact same character. As in, in Pitch Perfect? In Pitch Perfect. She's like, I'm going to reinvent myself. I she could not keep that shtick up for all of like perfect if she was Anna Kendrick from She from goes Twilight. I don't like the name Bella, but I think I'll just do Becca. Close enough, but slightly different. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Alice invites the seniors to a party at the Cullen house. Jacob and his friends, Embry and Quill or Quill crash the party and jacob gives bella a bracelet with a handmade carved wolf charm it's a wolf thing they he should have just said hand carved wolf charm as graduation present but get it it's literally a little wolf thing that he made her oh I... jacob what is it you oh broke. it's just a little wolf thing it's a wolf thing you oh. broke me um, it's not Cull- my joke, it's not my joke, I have to give credit. <laughs> the Cullens have a short discussion and Jacob agrees on Sam's behalf to join forces with the Cullens to fight off the threat of the newborn army despite Bella's protests. Eventually, Bella realizes that the newborn army has been under the secret control of Victoria. The Volturi have also been aware of this, but they decide to give the army a chance to destroy the Cullens since Arrow wanted Alice and Edward, presumably Bella as well, for their powers. But as long as they have their family, the Cullens would not join the Volturi's forces. Bella tries to get Edward... Oh, gosh. Uh... <laughs> Here, you want me to explain what's happening? You just read it. You, just you, read you want me to read it yeah, verbatim? Read it. Yeah, read it verbatim. Bella tries to get Edward to make love to her before turning her into a vampire. Edward initially refuses, explaining it would be too dangerous, although he tells her that he wants to, but not yet. Eventually, upon realizing how much it means to Bella, he says that he will try in the future as long as they get married first, because he's a traditionalist. Despite in aversion to marriage, Bella realizes that spending an eternity with Edward is more important to her than anything else and accepts his proposal in which he presents her with an engagement ring that belonged to his biological mother. Edward is overwhelmed with happiness and embraces her. They're engaged! And the ring is ugly. It's so ugly. They're engaged and the ring is ugly. Doesn't it look like it came out of like one of those gumball machine things? It's worth worth like $30,000. What? 
I, it's like a real ring that you can like actually buy. And it is so expensive because it's all real diamonds. And it, it is huge. pretty big. Yeah. It's yeah, well, gigantic. I mean, it probably um, took up her whole like knuckle. Right. And it's also not period appropriate. Not knuckle. That's what I'm looking for. You're right. It's not period appropriate. It was supposed to be. If it was from, it's like from turn of the century. Right. Like 1900-ish. Yeah. It's just this whole section of her finger. It's not a knuckle. <laughs> I'm still on there. Whole... So between her like knuckle, Flangy. like between her like knocking knuckle and her knuckles that lead to the rest of her hand, uh-huh. that whole section is what we're getting at. Yeah. That's how much it took up. That was, that was a lot. It was big. But it was it was worth it was it was worth it. Do you think she it got a wedding band? Big too? Oval. Oh, do you want me to tell you? Because we will see in the next movie what her ring situation Here's is. Here's the thing though. She doesn't have room for a wedding band. That's what I'm getting at. But Let me tell I you guess, what she does. No, 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 no. I want to be surprised. Okay. You'll be so surprised. I will be so surprised. When everyone else is preparing for the battle, Edward and Bella camp up in the mountains where they are later joined by Jacob. Woo! They, I don't know. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> So wait out. We couldn't tell Aerith's team, Jacob. <laughs> Where they wait out the fight. Bella, being a human, is about to freeze to death in the frigid mountain blizzard. Jacob warms her up, but much to Edward's. I'm going to say chagrin because that's a better word than disgust. Good. As he asks Jacob to at least control his thoughts. <laughs> control your thoughts, Jacob. He's controlling. I love how Edward could just be like, all right, let me stop reading minds for a second. But he's like, I'm going to read Jacob's mind and make sure he's, like he's keeping them to himself. <laughs> he's controlling his thoughts and keeping one thought warm. During that oh. cold night, Bella walks away overhears a conversation between the two of them, stating each other's pains in which they temporarily forget their mutual hatred towards each other. In the morning, Edward plans for Jacob to overhear him and Bella discussing their engagement. And Jacob, uh, sorry, that confused me for a second. And Jacob becomes distraught. He threatens to join the fight and get himself killed because he feels that Bella does not love him and that him being dead would be easier for her. The toxicity and the tomfoolery that I happens. I know. Unbelievable. Bad. Unbelievable. There's really high amounts of the two T's in this. The two T's. The two T's. Absolutely. Uh, he threatens to join the fight. Be easier if he was dead. When Bella begs him not to, Jacob demands a proper reason not to do so. In a desperate attempt to prevent his death, Bella states a reason in which Jacob responds to being not good enough. Finally, she asks him to kiss her. And while doing so, realizes that she loves him as well when she kisses him back. Here's the thing. Bella is like, oh my gosh, Jacob is my best friend. If I let him go fight and get himself killed, it will be on me. So, basically, Jacob manipulated the heck out of Bella and is like, let me make her think that I'm going to go die really quick so that way she'll kiss me. That was pretty manipulative Which move. is like, like, honestly, like, I don't know what's worse, the first kiss or this kiss. Like, both of them make me so horribly uncomfortable. But also, I mean, 
if we're being kind of real, there's a, a level of manipulation from Bella's end of, like, I should kiss him so to get what I want from him, which is to not go do this fight. Um, That's true, but I think that she's but it's like a re- worried for his life. Right. It is like a retaliatory manipulation or whatever, mm-hmm. which, you know... On the tier list of manipulation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, the the two T's are flying. Yeah. Um, which came first, you know, is what it is. No, no one's a saint. No one's a saint. Nobody's a saint, and you know what? All three of them need therapy in some. Yeah, form. and some distance from one another. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm, on, I'm on no one's team. <laughs> I'm cool with them being friends eventually, but you know what? They need therapy. They need to they work need... out their own things. That's that's the third T. That's <laughs> <laughs> the third T. Toxicity, tomfoolery, therapy. Um, I don't know where I was. Oh. However, however, she also realizes her feelings for Jacob are not to be compared with her love for Edward. Edward finds out about the kiss by reading Jacob's mind, but he is not angry with Bella because he knows that she loves him more than Jacob. Jacob still goes and joins the fight, Dick, promising that he'll be back, but eventually gets injured while trying to protect Leah from a newborn. The cone... And by getting injured, we mean... All of the bones on the left side of his body are shattered. Yeah. Like, he's, like, messed up. That's and cool. it's so wild because he has very fast regeneration of, like, cells or whatever. Like, very quick healing power. Because. Werewolf. Ladies and gentlemen, Maya is frozen. Because she's back very quick. Can you say that again? <laughs> um, I'm just saying he has some wolf thing going on, so so they gotta do something. He's gonna wolf thing. He, uh, they they gotta reset his bones real fast so that yeah. they don't heal we, we mean Yeah. Thank you, Carlisle. Thank you, Carlisle. Thank you, Paul the Christmas. <laughs> oh my gosh, picturing Carlisle as Santa. Is just scary. Ah. <laughs> it's so hilarious. Um, I feel like if anything would look like the Jack Frost Santa, <laughs> a little callback for all of our longtime listeners and wife camera action to our Santa Claus series. Anyway, the Cullens and the Wolves fight the newborn <laughs> army and manage to kill almost every last one with their own numbers still intact. Victoria and Riley manage to find Bella's hiding spot, starting a bite to the death. Seth bites off Riley's hand, but before being swatted away by him, Victoria's survival instincts push her to leave, but Edward gets her to stay by taunting about the death of James. Riley and Victoria gain the upper hand and are about to kill Edward when Bella distracts him by cutting her arm with a rock, using her blood to catch... Oh, you see? 
You see that story? That story earlier? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The parallels. Mm-hmm. Using... Bella said, I learned a thing or two from that. <laughs> I almost started in that scene. <laughs> Using her blood to catch their attention, Edward uses the distraction to break free, and Seth sneaks behind a hill, drags Riley away, and kills him. Yeesh. AKA kills him again. Victoria <laughs> ignores Riley's desperate cry for help only to die at the hands of Edward. Mm. Four members of the Voltori arrive to destroy what is left of Victoria's army, only to kill the one newborn who surrendered, Bree Tanner. Did I need to know her name? No, because... You do, though, because Stephanie Meyer wrote The Short and Sad Life of Bree Tanner, or something like that. The Short and Sad book. Life of Bree Tanner. Yes. Oh. Uh, it's it, you actually don't really need to know her name or whatever, but there is another book that Stephanie Meyer did write from her per, the perspective of Brie Tanner, and she's like a fan favorite. Everyone loves Brie Tanner. Yeah. Oh well, that just makes her death so much sadder naming yeah. her. It, <laughs> it yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Jane inflicts she's like fourteen pain <laughs> on Brie for no reason. Though Bree would have told her everything she needed to know. The Cullens asked for mercy for Bree, but Jane nonetheless orders Felix to kill her or kill the newborn. They also discover that while Bella has not become a vampire yet, the date for her transformation has been set. While Bella visits the injured Jacob, she is welcomed by loud, agonizing screams coming from the house. Carlisle and Sam are treating Jacob's wounds while Billy. And the rest of the wolf pack wait patiently outside. Carlisle comes out of the house and declares Jacob will make a full recovery. Billy and Carlisle then shake hands, showing that they are now that they now start to trust one another. After the treatment, Bella walks in to tell an agonized Jacob that she still loves him but has chosen Edward over him. What a jerk. You know what I mean? Like she he almost he was really close to death and literally broke half the bones in his body, but he's not, I'm going to choose the guy you hate. After realizing, after he realizes he reluctantly agrees not to try and put them apart anymore. Bella and Edward go back to the meadow, their meadow, where she tells him the wedding has been handed to the care of Alice. Edward asks why she is trying to please everyone else when she, she is not. What? When she is not pleased, I guess. Oh, when she's not pleased. Come on, writer. Bella answers that she has always felt like she belonged in Edward's vampire world, but realizing that being in Edward's vampire world, they have to say that again, has made her <laughs> strong in realizing who she really is. Bella also says, asked her to do I'm things. Not normal. That's my favorite. T- she goes, I can't pretend to be normal because <laughs> I'm not normal. Anyways. Uh, they decide to inform Charlie about their engagement, which Bella declares is a highly dangerous, is highly dangerous, and jokes that it's a good thing that Edward is bulletproof. Edward responds to this with a smile and gives her his mother's ring. The movie ends with Bella and Edward embracing each other lovingly in the meadow. Can't forget the lovingly part. Can't forget it. All right, we need we need to go to some analysis because that was a lot. A lot happened, but also not a lot did. It's so true. Yeah. I want to talk about one of the training, like I guess the training scene, because mm-hmm. that's a good scene. When that's when we find out that 
uh, Jasper was a Confederate soldier. Oh, yeah. yeah. So in this movie, we get a lot more backstory of some of Edward's family. Mm-hmm. So we get Rosalie's backstory, which is, like, really sad. Um, and then, what? But that's, like, one of the best scenes in the movie. Oh, no, that is a, it is a great scene. Great it scene. shows how, like, Rosalie was supposed to get married to, like, a really supposedly great guy in her town from where she was from, blah, blah, blah. And basically, like, the night before her wedding, like, him and his friends assault her and think that she died in the street. And Carlisle, like, smelled the blood and went and found her and turned her into a vampire to save her. So, it's a really sad backstory. Jasper's backstory is also a sad one, but it's also... Not that sad? Um... He was a Confederate soldier. For what, for whatever forsaken reason, Stephanie Meyer thought it was okay to make Jasper a Confederate soldier. Yeah, I don't know why Stephanie Meyer was like, that's what I'm going to do. Maybe it was like, maybe she was like, oh, they were bad guys, and so they made people vampires because they were bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I really just can't. But, like, why I don't, I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his backstory was, like, it was, like, disturbing that he was a Confederate soldier. But also, he was all, he was also manipulated. Right. Um, it's, like, his story is meant to draw a parallel between him and the vampire that created him, who was Maria. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to compare that to Victoria and Riley, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, which I can totally see that comparison for sure. So, I just... Oh, but... I don't he, think... Yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say, but he was already a Confederate soldier before he became a vampire. Right. right. No, it's not so like he was manipulated it, to joining the Confederacy. Yeah, yeah. it's just... <laughs> I don't know. I really, I think that they could have made that comparison just fine with him not being a Confederate soldier. I don't really understand why. I would have been more forgiving of him if he became a Confederate soldier after turning to a vampire. If and you, he, if had he was like, like manipulated. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's just weird. It's so weird. I don't know why Stephanie Meyer did that. Because Jasper is like such a great, beloved and character. Like, I don't know why. That doesn't add to his story. It doesn't. It at really all. Like doesn't. It, it would have been the same effect if he was a Union soldier, in my opinion. Like, Yeah, if, if he had been a part of any war. Yeah, yeah. Any, yeah literally any war. Yeah. War of 1812. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. He's, he's a redcoat, you know what I mean? Like, he's from Britain, whatever. It, just, it was so weird. Um, but I, I don't know anything about the War of 1812. Don't. I can't the, sign off on that. That's when, they, that's when the British... <laughs> Burned down the White House, and James Madison's wife. What's James Madison's wife's name? I want to say Dolly, but that doesn't sound right. I couldn't tell you. Um, Mrs. Madison saved the portrait of George Washington. George Washington, mm-hmm. and we almost got Canada in that war. Yeah, well, that was well, uh, a little too close to. Her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say though. Imperialism, am I right? <laughs> Hate it. Um, what were you saying? I just really like the training scene. Yeah, yeah. Because I really like, I like the music that plays during it, and I like mm-hmm. how each vampire. It seems like each vampire has their own like style of fighting in a way. Yeah, you get to see that come through during that scene. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I don't know, what? like, Alice is very... You can tell that Alice is, like, reading um, the minds of whoever she's fighting against to, like, know their next move. And you can, I mean, Edward is doing that. You can see that mm-hmm. Alice is, like, looking into the future. And you can see that, like, Emmett is just, like, full force, brutal, and Rosalie is... I don't know. Like, it's just cool. To, yeah. yeah. I, I always enjoy that scene when it comes up. It's very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, you know what? We need to, we need to, we need to, we need to talk some bad guys real quick. So, do we? Boop, 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 What's up, everyone? Welcome to Kudu Badu, the podcast within the podcast where cool dudes talk bad dudes. I am your host, Erica Lavender. I am joined, as usual, by Maya and Aaron. This week, we are looking at the villains from Eclipse. And I think that this is the movie that maybe has the most well-defined, consistent villain from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a little bit refreshing honestly would agree would agree and it is of course jacob (laughs) (laughs) i i'm I'm going to put him on the list of villains i i would agree uh jacob out here stealing kisses and not paying for them you know what i mean right Uh, by not paying for him i mean not asking for them um he did get punched in the face and he did break half the bones in his body he did he did Damage. I guess he did. Absolutely got his shit rocked and deserved it. Right. But absolutely. at the same time, it was like, come on, dude. At like, the same time, did he learn his lesson? I'm unsure. No. Who's sure? There was a little bit of manipulating going on later. So. You really hate to see it. You really hate to see it. So, anyways. Jacob, bad dude. Jacob's a bad dude. Victoria. Bad is dude. The bad dude of the movie. Yeah. I would say. I would say Jacob, Victoria, and Riley are the yeah. bad dudes. Of the and movie. the Voltori. And the Voltori. They're, they're kind of just like sidelined a they're, little bit, though. So you know what I mean? I yeah. They're um, not like. Jane. They're, yeah, they're not eating tourists, though. But Jane looks at Brie Tanner and mm-hmm. says, and Brie Tanner goes, ow, 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 ouch. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. It's like I was very there. mean. Um, you're right. You bad right. dude behavior. That, that is, is very bad, bad dude, dude behavior. behavior. Um, I think that um, Riley is less of a bad dude because throughout the movie we see Charlie trying to solve the case of his disappearance. Mm-hmm. And even in he's like, yeah, his parents have been looking for him for over a year. And yeah. Like, oh well, don't you think they should just give up? And Charlie's like, oh well, I would never give up if you had gone missing over a year ago. So I think that. In that way, we do get some sympathy for him because we know that, like, in the human world, he is, like, so loved and so, like, you know, like, people really are worried Mm -hmm. and they care about him a lot. So I think from that perspective, we do have, like, some, like, the first scene in the movie is him being brutally attacked. So it's, like, we are supposed to have some level of sympathy for him. We're supposed to look at him and think of Jasper, honestly, I Mm -hmm. think. I Um, feel like we're supposed to look at him and think of Bella. We're supposed to look at him and think of, like, this is about to be Bella's life. Like, the fact that the parents, his parents are so oh, worried. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's so true. So, yeah, we look at him and spell it in that way, but also think of Jasper in the way of, like, him being manipulated by Maria in his early days yeah. of the Empire. But, no, you're right. So I think that we are supposed to care about him to an extent. Um, but he's still, nevertheless, a bad dude. Right. I would you say. Can, but... You can be sympathetic, but also be unequivocally bad. Yeah, absolutely. That's what makes it a good, well-written, complex character. Wow. Is Riley <laughs> our most dynamic character so far? Even though he's the worst name. Even though he has the worst name. Well, I guess also the fact that he's a bad dude named Riley... That's that's also complex. You know what I mean. <laughs> you know what? When, when you're true. so soft, when you have such a soft name, but y- you be eaten, folks. Right. <laughs> so true. Right. I I might go out on a limb and say that out of all the bad dudes so far in this movie series, that the combination of Riley, Victoria, and Jacob are the best bad dudes. Yeah. I think. I have a, my initial reaction is that Laurent, James, and Victoria from the first movie are my favorites Uh just because that intro is so iconic. And then like doing the slow walk in, but I guess we didn't really call Victoria and Laurent the bad dudes of the first movie because they weren't really doing that much yet. Laurent even warned them about James. So like, I just still think of that slow walk into the baseball scene and it like, it gets me hyped up just thinking about it, but you're right. They aren't necessarily the bad dudes of that film. But no, yeah, I, I agree with you now. Sorry, I just had to get that out. What do you think, Maya? Um, I still think that, like, the fact that um, the protagonists of this movie, like Edward, Bella, and Jacob, are also the antagonists of this movie is very compelling. Um, of the entire saga. Um, the fact that you, I guess, have to want the best for these characters, but at the same time, they really uh, are making decisions that are so bad that they are really ask asking for just the worst. Um, is is at the same time very frustrating, but also like um, is also kind of kind of compelling. Mm-hmm. That's so. A good point. They're, like I like I like the fact that um, the kind of main characters are good dudes and bad dudes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that you know this is the first movie that we don't have Edward on the bad dude list, which is really interesting. Like considering your point, Maya. Right. I mean, I think he very well could be there. He could be, but I would put him below Jacob, Victoria, and Riley. Yeah. So. Anyways, no, I I would agree that if we were ranking the bad dudes, I'm putting I'm putting Victoria, Riley, and Jacob above mm-hmm. the others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but my I do I do hear your point. I do that kind of, very... but like yeah, if I had to, not necessarily as to who's worst, but who's my favorite, like bad dudes, yeah. I would say like the protagonists are my favorite of the bad dudes because they're also good. Yeah, but if we're saying who's the baddest, and yeah, like, like who's a baddie, but not like in the cool way. Yeah, who's a baddie, but not in the cool way? Jane from the Volturi. Oh, I don't know where to put these people. <laughs> I I want to put Victoria, Riley, and Jacob as my favorites. Okay. 
Jacob went from good to bad so quick. Yeah. Um, the next thing that we have. And that brings us to our another podcast within a podcast. Team Edward versus Team Jacob Tracker. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? The pendulum has swung. I think I'm Team Edward this movie. I think that, yeah. Because I have to be. If you have to choose between Team Edward and Team, Team Jacob, I know that Maya really is against that binary, which I support that for you 100%. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that you can't be Team Jacob during this movie. Yeah. Like, you just, like, this is not Jacob's time to shine. It just really isn't. Um, and I mean, in this movie, like, I, I don't love Edward in this movie, but I think this is the first movie where he's, like, being somewhat of a consistent... He's not like, get away from me, I'm so bad. Like, he's not, like... He's finally, like, being consistent. He's finally, like, fully committed to Bella. He's finally considering what she wants and not just what he thinks she should want, which is what I'm all about. Because I always say that I'm Team Bella and I want her to make her own decisions for her life. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Edward is finally being like, well, let me consider what Bella wants. I can appreciate it. He's like, okay, she wants me to be here. I'll be here. And she wants to be a vampire. All right, I'll think of ways that I'm comfortable turning her into a vampire. Like, he really, he he tries to think through what she wants, finally. So that's why for this movie, I am Team Edward. Yeah. Um. It's really hard to root for any of them in this movie. <laughs> like, including Bella. They make so many bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I I agree with you that, like, you simply cannot be Team Jacob this movie. So, if that makes me Team Edward, then I guess I have to be Team Edward. Um, but I would I would not like to be Team Edward either. But if I have to be, then I will be. Maya, you can be Team Anna Kendrick if you'd like. Oh my gosh, please. I, <laughs> I am Team Anna Kendrick and Mike. Beautiful. Whatever that combination is. Mike and Jess. Is that who they are? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm all about them. Team Susie Crabgrass. Nice. Nice. Um, next, that brings us to Were They Born? Born, born in Labs. Now, now it's time, time to rank, rank those abs. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast and the podcast. <laughs> The ab segment. I don't know. We don't really have a name for this. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron Weiss, along with Maya Lavender and Erica Lavender. Um, this week, we are taking a look at the abs <laughs> once again of... Mainly just Taylor Lautner. Mainly just Taylor Lautner. And you know what? Um, I, I think that he continued to work on uh, himself between movies, and I think they look just a little bit more toned than they did the last movie. I won't lie, I didn't notice that because I wasn't paying that close attention. Oh, I, but... I, 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 I Jacksonville, <laughs> <laughs> but what I was going to say regarding abs is Edward has a great line where he pulls up to drop off Bella to hang out with Jacob for the day, mm-hmm. if you'll remember. And Edward gets on the car, takes one look at Jacob and says, doesn't he own a shirt? <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is very funny. It's just very, um, we're all thinking it. We're all like, oh my gosh, why does he never wear a shirt? And Edward's like, okay, fine. I'll say it. I'll address the elephant in the room. I, I have something to say. Yes, say I it. looked up 
Edward's abs in these movies to see if they were real or not. Because I have seen more recent pictures of Robert Pattinson where he's like kind of shredded. So mm-hmm. I was like, he, he could do it. But mm-hmm. I've also heard him say that he does not like working out. Um, so I was like, maybe what's going on here? And so I think the first one, it said that he had them like painted on or whatever. But mm-hmm. then people really like kind of clowned on him for having painted on abs and then like really compared him to Taylor Lautner and Taylor Lautner's abs in the other one. And so then the second time around, he kind of tried to get abs and then like for the scene at the end of Breaking Dawn, not Breaking Dawn, sorry, New Moon. New Moon. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that it was a whole thing. And he just like did not like the fact that people kept comparing his abs to Taylor Lautner's abs. Um, but Taylor Lautner has natural abs in these movies. Um, yeah. he, he can just work out and get them more easily, I guess. So I thought that that was interesting. That is interesting. That, and, but then it also made me laugh that <laughs> uh, I wonder if it was just satisfying for Robert Pattinson to say that doesn't he own a shirt line <laughs> after people had been comparing them shirtless for years. Yeah. Well, honestly, and that has to be tough for Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. Like, he was so young, and to be like, uh, well, too bad your album is good as the other guy. And then, like, that's, like, a tough thing. Yeah. So, good for good for Robert Pattinson for getting to have that line. Way to go, R-Pats. So... Yeah, I mean, more more of the same abs in this movie. I don't, yeah. I don't think we're going to get really anyone else's abs, maybe. I, I could be wrong, but um, that brings us, ladies and gentlemen, to Darmok Review. And I think I have quite a bit of a doozy for this week. <laughs> Victoria caused much pain. Riley is a bad villain name. Jacob and Edward at Forks, Washington. Snaps. Beautiful. It is time to score and rank this movie. And you know what? I'm going to have Erica start the scoring. And I will get out my ye olde calculator. My score is lower than Twilight, but higher than New Moon. I give it a seven. Because mm-hmm. I really, really liked it, but Twilight is still better to me. Okay, okay. Um, Maya. Um, this has, I think, been my movie least favorite so far. Um, I'm going to give it a 5.5. Wow. I didn't dislike it, but it was like pretty middle of the road. And I feel like if I couldn't remember what happened, mm-hmm. that's not a great sign. Not All a great right. sign. Not a great yeah. sign. The plot isn't there. I won't lie. <laughs> it's it's they, not. Like, they really could have skipped over this one. Yeah. Um, you know, I am of the belief that these movies get better and better. Um uh, <laughs> So, um, I think my first score was a 5.7 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then my second score was a 6.0. And I'm 
I'm tempted to give this movie a solid seven like you did. <laughs> I really enjoyed this movie. The production quality going up so far really helped me enjoy it. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think that giving this a seven does it justice for me. And I'm going to divide by three. And that doesn't save it from overtaking New Moon, but it also doesn't save it from overtaking Twilight. <laughs> so our new rankings, ladies and gentlemen, are number one, New Moon with a 6.8. Number two, Twilight with a 6.7. And number three, Eclipse with a 6.5. Cool. Average. Um, I have been your host, Aaron Weiss. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Weiss is Right. Also follow Weisscast on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And Maya, where can they find you? Because I, I, something cut off last week and I had to record and it didn't sound as good. Um, um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at M-Y-L-N-L-V-N-D-R and on TikTok at Newborn Grandma. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find me, Erica, at on Instagram at erica.love or on Twitter at uh, underscore lavender I-C-A. And I just want to shout out really quick the Weisscast TikTok. Because it's good. Like, <laughs> there's a little intro moment and an outro moment. Really cool graphics done by both Aaron and Aaron's brother, Alex. And it's really, really good. They do little updates. I mean, Aaron does little updates. Anyways, I just wanted to give the Weiss cast TikTok a shout-out. Because it deserves a shout-out on Weiss camera action. Thank you. You're welcome. Proud of you. that has been all for this episode join us next week as we break dawn i'm so excited i'm so excited i'm breaking dawn part one is so good it's so good i've heard i've heard and i love it i'm excited so uh i don't have a clever line does anyone have a clever outro line (laughs) who the hell knows who the oh, hell knows? Who the hell knows? <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>